Godzilla versus his enemies of destruction, the king of all monsters against the baddest beasts of all time, Rodan, Mothra, Ghidra, Mechagidra, and Mechagodzilla. It's an eye-flashing, tail-whipping, building-bashing Godzilla war, and only the strong survive. Godzilla rules. Everyone and welcome to Lights. Ca- <coughs> <coughs> uh, sorry, Sean. <coughs> sorry, Sean. Man, I got a touch of the old uh, <coughs> touch of the old uh, COVID nineteen. <coughs> but it's all good, man. I got this. I got this big tube of horse paste. This fucking. <coughs> And it's fixing me up real good, man. It's fixing me up right, man. <laughs> let me just let me just take some horse paste, man. Oh. They could do something for the flavor, but I guess it's for I guess it's mo- it's mainly for horses, right? But uh Is that that dewormer? That's that horse dewormer. de-wormer. Yeah, yeah, Joe Joe Rogan's got me on this horse dewormer, man. And let me tell you, it's changed my life, okay? I had the virus, and now yeah. I've got the virus and I've got worms. And <laughs> <laughs> it just gives you worms. <laughs> it, gives me, it gives me, well, I thought I'd see how it works on worms as well as the virus, so I gave myself worms. Um, I, I just you're, kissed a lot of horses on the mouth and the butt. <laughs> And, and now I've got worms, and now I'm taking the horse dewormer, and I'm te- and I've got COVID. So it's been a rough week. How have you been, man? I've been good, man. Uh, welcome to Lights, Cameras, Blokes. Uh, I'm Sean Culligan. I'm Joe Rogan. Uh, I'm Ned. My name's Ned. Name's Ned Curlin, <laughs> not Joe Rogan. Uh, Sean. Uh, it's good to be. I I I'm saying it's good to be back. I feel like occasionally we'll do this. It's good to be back. Spiel and and to the v- listener, it'll appear like where were you know you weren't gone. There's been episodes. Um, we're sporadic. We're kind of crazy. We're spontaneous. We record this podcast opportunistically, but hopefully, uh, there will be a little more scheduling from yes. here on out. A yeah. little more regulation. I know we've promised it before. Yeah. Uh, we we are going to get on top of our shit. Um, you know, it's hard because I'm out there every night uh, street racing, trying to yep. get these pinks, you know, a Dominic Toretto on my ass all the time. Uh, I'm trying to save Han because he's back from the dead. You know, it's, it's hard. Uh, it's hard to record a podcast and hold down the street racing life. So, I mean, we'll do our best. Just uh, just know that I'm out there trying to get a cool car. And I'm out every night just kissing horses, and uh, I'm banned from several fucking uh, industrial farming facilities. Uh, and, you know, that's time-consuming because I go through a lot of lawyers. So uh, it's... But we're both, we're both on our grind, okay? We're both on our grind set. This is happening now. Lights, cameras, blokes is going to be a household name in three to five weeks. So get on the bus now, 
because it's leaving the station. Yes. Is what we're saying. Yes. Yep. 100%. Ground floor right now. You could be part of something special. And what says we're kicking it off? We're going to be big. What says big? What's, what says we're going to be... What? What? Sean, what says mass... Hmm. What says... Sean. 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 What says <laughs> massive like kaiju? This is the lights, cameras, blokes, kaiju. kaiju. Sean, what's it? Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, what's this big deal like kaiju? Okay, there's it's nothing a kaiju bigger. Special, yeah, it's a kaiju is special. Is uh, look, w- n- normally we do we do one maybe two movies if you're lucky. Oh, you, <laughs> if you if you've walked into okay, can I just say if you've walked into this and you're like, oh, they're gonna do one movie, they're gonna do two movies, you dumb fuck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You back. are so you know no 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 you are so dumb because we're not giving you two we're not even giving you three this is four we're giving movies. you we're giving you four yeah this is four movies yeah. okay Sh- you come uh, over here thinking you're gonna get two and we give you four you 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 should be appreciative you should be fucking grateful okay we come back I'm full of horse worms <laughs> Sean's fucking racing the night away. <laughs> We're busy people. Four movies in one podcast? Just share this with, like, a friend is what we're saying. Share this with, like, a friend. Cause please. Please. Sean, kind you Should we tell... Yeah, should we tell them how we, how we broke this down? Because it's kind of fun. It's, a, it's, a fun, it's going to be a fun episode. I hope it's fun. I, uh, but we're not promising fun. I think we should get ahead of that now, Sean. We can't oh, promise right. that anyone's going right. to have any fun listening to this. But uh, Sean's been trying to get me on. Well, we did, uh, we, uh, I think one of our second most downloaded episode is King Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah, uh, yeah. So fun time. Uh, shortly after King Kong versus Godzilla, uh, because I think in that conversation, Sean's like, they should just do a modern kaiju movie that has like the miniatures and the puppets. And I said, I think that's what Shin Godzilla is. I was wrong, by the way. That's not what Shin Godzilla is. But <laughs> uh, Sean went away, watched Shin Godzilla, and came back and said, Ned, you got to see this film. And yep. I've had friends who said, Ned, you, there's no way you need to see Shin Godzilla. And I'm like, okay. There's going to be some conflict. That's going to be some fun Ooh. podcasting. Sean, where do we land? A movie called How from Beyond the Fog. This short kaiju movie, all done with miniatures, puppets. Sean got me on this, and we said, let's round it out. Let's both, Sean, take it, take him through the last bit because this is the home run right here. This is the this is this is the grand slam. Um, so so after watching two films, we said, let's watch a third. And we said, no, 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 no. We're going to do, we're going to go watch a movie each, not tell each other what we're watching. And uh, we're going to, we're going to surprise each other on the podcast with what movie we watched. Sean, can I just say now, can we really up the surprise factor? Like, I really want you to be like shocked when I. Yes. Yeah. So just be really surprised. Is that okay? Ned, I will be ultra surprised. I'll be Kaiju surprised. I appreciate I appreciate that, Sean. So it's going to be a kaiju surprise up in Great. this episode of Lights, Cameras, Blokes. We're going to start with How from Beyond the Fog because it's a shorter movie. Mm-hmm. We're going to go to Shin Godzilla because it's, it's a longer movie, yep. <laughs> and then yeah. the mystery film. I don't know how long this will last because we've just spent seven minutes and it's mostly been me 
talking about like molesting fucking livestock so but even before we get into that we should go through our fucking rounds of recommendations because sean we haven't recorded one of these for a hot minute i'm sure we've been doing lots of shit dude so much shit let's do recommendations right now how dare you okay okay right right now recommendations i got you on a recommendation um shout out to to kara friend of the podcast she she did something for me that uh, I was really really happy to receive, and she sent me now now stay with me. She sent me. I'm staying the, with you, Sean. Please stay with me. She sent me the instructions to our childhood uh, breakfast treat that we would always have, and and she had to go. You know, it it was like an Indiana Jones adventure. She was going through the archives, looking at ciphers and 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 she was trying to get to the bottom of how do we make these breakfast bars that's what they're called they're cereal breakfast bars and so she she uh she did some archaeology she found this cream crinkled up piece of paper from one of our aunts and and photographed it and sent it over to me and so so this never gets lost to the sands of time. I'm going to read off the instructions to these breakfast Wait, bars. Wait, you're going to be fucking sharing Culligan family secrets on hey. the pod? Yeah, th- this is this is what's going to get people to share the podcast, man. That Yeah. Once I once I read these breakfast bar ingredients, you're going to be you're just wait for Spotify to give us a deal, all right? Okay. Here we go. Breakfast bars ingredients. We've got a half cup of butter or margarine, all right? Okay. Three cups miniature marshmallows, okay? All right. A half cup of peanut butter, all right? You're with me so far, right? Well, yeah. wh- where are you worried you're going to lose me? Because that's what's scaring <laughs> me right now. Just just you wait. Next okay. one. Half cup non-fat dry milk. Did I lose Dry you? milk? What's that? Is that dry milk, milk is powder? Yeah, it's dehydrated milk, so dry milk. Yep, okay. get some of that. All right, you're, I, I'm not lost, but I mm-hmm. am a little like it's a little foggy out here. Is what we'll I'm just saying. wait. Wait for this next one. One quarter cup orange flavored instant breakfast drink. Now, Ned, That's, yeah, can you tell me what that is? Sean, I can tell you one thing. As as a you know, as an international man of of great renowned i've lived in the uk i've lived in california i will say it's a very uniquely american thing to have any product that just ends with the very unassuming word drink (laughs) okay we (laughs) we know what all drinks are out here we've got like if there's a flavor in the uk it's usually followed by the word juice okay Mm, mm -hmm. orange juice is a thing all right orange drink Orange flavored instant breakfast drink. See, that's a lot of qualifiers right there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that is. I'm a little lost, but here tell it is. Me. Here it is. I'll tell you. That's Tang. Uh, good it's enough tang. for the a- yeah. Good enough for the astronauts. It's good enough for breakfast bars, right? Yeah. So that's what you're throwing in there. A quarter cup of that. One cup of raisins, and then four cups of Cheerios, uh, or as the the you know this this crumpled piece of paper says o-shaped puffed oat cereal yeah cheerios yeah so here's what you're going to do real quick directions and i'll get get on with my recommendations in a large saucepan melt butter and marshmallows over low heat stirring constantly stir in peanut butter until melted 
Mix in your milk, your your dry milk, and your breakfast drink, your orange-flavored instant breakfast drink, also known as Tang. All that's mixed in, right? Remove from heat. And now you're going to fold in the raisins and cereal. And here's here's what I kind of do. I kind of break it into like three parts. So you've got like maybe four parts. You, you take like a quarter cup of the raisins and a cup of the, the cereal. And you, you kind of fold it in there. And then you do that four times. So you, you've, you've folded these in. Uh, now with buttered hands, uh, you don't really need to get them buttered. But with buttered hands, you, you butter the baking pan of like a nine by nine or so, something like casserole dish. And you, you, you can spray it with Pam or something like that. And then you you mix in or you, you scoop out uh, the raisin cereal breakfast bar mix and you put it into this this uh, nice oven pan yep. casserole dish. You let it cool. You cut it into bars and you feast. Yeah, okay. Yep. Okay. There you go. I just spent a, way that's too... A bar? Yeah. That's a breakfast bar, is it? Uh, that is a breakfast bar. A Culligan breakfast bar. Yep. Okay. Uh, the, the other part of this story, Kara, a friend of the podcast, has been constantly asking me where she can find Tang, and I don't know. She's in Australia, and mm-hmm. she needs to find some Tang. So I imagine this is going to be tough for some of our international listeners. But you know what? I have faith in you guys. You can find Tang probably on eBay. And okay. you know what? eBay's good, so just buy it from there. I'm going to quickly just go now and one moment. Okay, I don't know if there's Tang here. I don't know if I can get Tang, but I'll find Tang. If I can find Tang, Sean, my promise to you is maybe not next episode, okay? I'm not a fucking not Gordon Ramsay out here, but I'm going to try and attempt to make your bar. And Hell no yeah. pressure, but I will be basing my thoughts on America as a country, as a, uh, as a collection of states, on this on this cereal bar. You know what? Okay? That's a very fair assessment, because I think... This cereal bar is America. I love that. Wow, that's such a great personal recommendation. I don't, I don't know if I have anything like that for you, Sean. Uh, except I do. Okay. <laughs> uh, Let's hear it. You want to go? You're gonna want to go to the website www.youtube.com. Okay. All right. That's three W's. This is what you're gonna search. Okay. O seven. Okay forward slash 27 forward slash 1978 what you're gonna find is an hours long documentary (laughs) on a single garfield comic strip all right and you are gonna watch this and your life is gonna be changed okay you are gonna uh, you're gonna have insight into both garfield and yourself that you never thought possible without years and thousands upon thousands of pounds of therapy all right (laughs) (laughs) i've Um, saved it to my favorites this this is a must watch okay it's it's not an obscure video i don't think it's 2.7 million views i think it has its following but i only watched it recently sean i know you uh you like to throw something on the background while you work i'm gonna say this is perfect for that if you're doing Uh, something else yes you throw this you just throw this on and you listen to this man talk about garfield for an hour and you and you're not gonna regret it okay this it may it may be like it's my new favorite thing on youtube i'll definitely be watching it again anyway it's the comic strip where um uh I, I, i could to set it up it's the comic strip where uh john garfield's owner uh is searching for his pipe he searches, he says, uh, now where could my pipe be? And who's smoking the pipe? Well, it's Garfield. It's Garfield, the lovable 
orange cat. He loves lasagna. He hates Mondays. We all know him, but maybe we're not familiar with this strip. Uh, well, we will be. We we all will be when when we've watched an hours long documentary on this Garfield strip. Uh, I can't and that's wait. That's my recommendation. Amazing. There you go. Let's do this, Ned. Let's just let's just go for it. We we've teased this enough. You know the, the fans are ready. I think from uh, a little orange cat to a big old monster. Let's talk about How From Beyond the Fog, a 2019 short film, it's 35 minutes long, from uh, director, and Sean, you can tell me if I'm butchering this poor man's name, uh, Daisuke Sato. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, nice. Everyone did okay? Yeah. He, uh, in himself, this is his first, I think, written, directed project. Uh, he's a special effects uh, artist. He has worked on some Godzilla films. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is a 35-minute film, all using puppets and one person in a suit for the kaiju. Very classic. It's uh, it, uh, it's set in some time in the past, Sean. Yeah. Why don't you why don't you introduce this? Sean, yeah. What am I doing? What am I doing out here, Sean? Uh, talk to me. So 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 this movie is supposed to be technically set in 1909. Uh, I mm. think there's a little a, a little banner that comes across saying something about that time, um, which is which is you know pre World War II, and it's a great practical film. I heard about it through another podcast. Uh, Shane Morton, he has done some stuff for Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell, and uh, he does a lot of practical special effects. He was the person behind Cheddar Goblin and Mandy. So great film, uh, great. I haven't seen it yet. I will. I will need to see it still, but. I do know of Cheddar Goblin. And so he said that this is a great example of a film that is doing practical stuff. And I loved it because it was kind of a low budget film. This this film was actually created through Kickstarter. Um, they funded the, the, the bigger costume, the bigger monster that, that you, they used throughout the film uh, through Kickstarter. And they went and got a master sculptor. Uh, his name was Murase Kazel, and he's been in a bunch of other Godzilla films. He's done a lot of the monsters for those, and so he he sculpted and created the, the larger version of it. Really awesome, awesome visual of a monster. What would you think? What, like, when, when I told you we need to go watch this movie, what were you expecting? I was expecting, uh, I think I saw the cover which was I saw like this really nice illustrated cover, uh, mm-hmm. and this film had like a, a release in the states, which I think used a cheesier kind of cover. That I've seen yeah. like a couple of different posters for this, and one is is much better than the other. I thought it it looked quite interesting in that it looked a little more serene than your usual kaiju affair. It looked a little more uh, ghostly, a little more spiritual maybe, uh, and that's kind of what I got. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, my expectation was in the right place. This is a real pretty movie, uh, not just in the incredible effects, but just in, I think, the the dialogue is quite sparse. Uh, the story is quite sweet. It's, it's you know, it, it, it deals with heavier things and, and, and characters who are experiencing uh, kind of their own personal traumas and, and displacements. But... It's it's a sweet movie in that it's 
I don't know, very kind of, it feels quite personal, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And it's, uh, you mentioned it being a low budget film. Uh, it is, and that's kind of evident, but in a really charming way where the film does a lot with very little. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, I, I say very little in the more like where they were shooting and like a lot of it is just, you know, it's it's relying on fog and it's relying on just close-ups of this incredible creature they've made it is not a little in the amount of effort and work that went into making those things look fantastic it's yeah really fucking good uh, yeah so and so it, the, the, the the oh yeah. go ahead no just uh, impressive that it's it's a 2019 movie it's pretty new uh and i imagine even newer for kind of its international release uh and and it's not really the kind of movie you get you don't get a lot of this shit in in recent years so yeah yeah, surprising so the the general story behind this film is there is a large monster who lives in a, a a lake that is on top of this hill on this mountain there is a a woman who is blind and they kind of go on a little bit of a backstory how she became blind uh she has a connection with this this monster and there's a the monster is blind too uh so oh was it yeah yeah they have that um uh, symbiosis uh there you go blind uh, blind monster blind blind woman wonderful um and it's a really straightforward story but uh they're the the place where the woman lives is basically up for sale or or they want to some some people are coming in to try to purchase it so the uh, the story focuses uh on this blind girl and uh her relationship with this spirit of the lake but uh yep. it's kind of centered around a, a boy who's returning to his hometown uh returns to his mother's home and that's it. it's uh it's his mother's sister who gave birth to this blind girl who has since been hidden away and her existence has kind of been denied by everyone and her mother who is the boy's aunt was uh killed herself years ago so it's all like heavy sad shit it's all sad it's big sad boy vibes yeah it's big sad boy vibe kaiju movie Big sad boy uh, vibes, and then so, and then developer developers come in and threaten to take over the family land, and then you get kind of the the monster part, the kaiju coming in and helping out, and the and there's a little in, helps out little love story there as well. But I hope not because they're cousins. Shit, there isn't a love story. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sean was really hoping for a love story, and I don't know what that says. About him. Uh, there's a. Yeah, no, it's it's a very sweet movie, and the effects are fantastic. The creature's fantastic. Uh, they do so much with just, you know, a fog machine and black cloth and a monster, uh, and these these puppets are amazing. I didn't know going in that it was uh, that it was a film done with puppets. Yeah, primarily, yeah. and it's a really excellent way to kind of add to the kind of scale of the kaiju because mm-hmm. I think. You watch these movies, and we're going to be talking about a lot of these movies, and the crux of them is the fantastic work they do with miniatures. So to make everything about the puppets feels really smart in a way that really focuses it on the the kind of craft of the film. Yeah, uh, it's it's great. The miniature work is amazing. Um, the, I will say, the start of the movie, you see a wheel 
and it kind of this is the the very beginning of the movie a cart falls down and a wheel pops off and on the wheel you see a screw and i you know i took a look at it i was like technically it's 1909 they would have screws it's fine you know it's it's within the <laughs> the realm of possibility but then i said no i'm going to be a nerd about it and i looked it up the phillips screw was invented in 1932 so that you know <laughs> for a second yeah, that actually t- Sean, to be fair i looked it up and there are no big monsters in japan so yeah. um so double yeah exactly uh, Again, uh, Daisuke Sato, <laughs> do some homework because there's no uh, know your no Phillips like screws. Yeah, know your Phillips <laughs> screws. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> it didn't take but, me out of it. But it, it, I, I jump back in after you know another two minutes, and uh, everything's shot beautifully too, which is which is with the puppets with like perfect lighting, um, and then the use of fog. It's it's a it's a really so what I've, I've said about this movie is I think of it as like a really, really cool diorama or like something that you would kind of like something that you keep in your pocket and it's like super cool and you like pull it out and check it out and you're like, oh, you want to show somebody and it it doesn't have to be 90 minutes long. It's it's just like a good folk oh, tale. It's a perfect length and we'll talk about its release in a bit, but uh, there is also a making of documentary, which is just mm-hmm. a lot of fun to watch. Like it's not kind of lavishly produced or anything but it it's just very fun to watch these people make these these puppets and and make the whole thing happen and i just love um i just love this these movies from like the the director uh was a special effects guy uh, yeah i love these films that come from like not these kind of very classically cut filmmakers mm-hmm. they're people that have existed in a very kind of specific element of that job and they've decided to they've decided to make an entire thing out of that, and and you know I, I there are I'm sure there are examples that don't work uh, as well as examples that work, but this time it it really works. Like it's 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 great throughout. It's shot well. I really enjoyed the story. I really enjoyed like the kind of haunting element of the whole thing. Uh, it's it's as much a kind of ghost story as it is a big monster epic thing. Yeah, and a lot more kind of stripped back than your usual Godzilla goes and smashes a, a building kind of affair. Yeah, yeah, uh, totally. Um, I'm I'm gonna give a big shout out to Ron at SRS Cinema. Uh, the SRS Cinema is a kind of like an underground movie distribution site. Yeah. Uh, they've been around since the 90s, since like 92. And they had uh, Howl from Beyond the Fog on a Blu-ray release, which I picked up. And it has a lot of those behind-the-scenes things, of the, the like production company, getting everything together, putting the monsters together. It's, it, it, you know, I'm, I'm really happy I bought it. I'm glad... I'm like supporting this kind of stuff because I want to see more movies like this and I oh, want to like and like yeah. physical media is the thing I will go to war for and I was looking at this particular distribution what was the the company called again Sean SRS Cinema SRS like it's a it's a really nice like we're not <laughs> We're not getting any money here. <laughs> this is just like I'm so glad that someone is interested in physically releasing these things and like doing it so nicely uh yep. and and putting it in such a nice package so that's super fucking cool uh yeah srs i want to get one myself i think they're region free yeah um 
So and and I was looking at Sean's, and it's it's a real nice uh, Blu-ray. So yes, uh, if so, you are interested in this film, uh, we I think we both very strongly recommend it, and and definitely. picking it up uh, it would be would be very cool if that's something you want to go do. I'm I'm gonna say we got to give it a score anyway. So Ned, yeah, I think it's tough. <laughs> Uh, I'm between two scores. I'm thinking like a, a high, a very solid eight. I think like, but I think that's kind of. I don't think it's aspiring to be this like technically perfect epic thing. I think it's it's just very like it's perfect for the time it fills. It's really great. I I consider even going like higher than eight because I don't really find much kind of flaw with it uh, outside of maybe like a couple of effects that are very forgivable for the kind of budget and scale mm-hmm. it is at mm-hmm. so i think a real strong eight from me really loved it totally recommend it uh ned i couldn't agree more uh i have written down here a dope strong eight uh it's <laughs> it's the dopest it's dope. eight we've ever it's given the dopest eight <laughs> we've we've ever given a movie yeah, I, I think on top of everything, uh, I've been trying to listen to more Japanese uh, just to keep my Japanese up. And this movie, if you are trying to learn Japanese or uh, hear more Japanese, like you said at the beginning, it's it's kind of a the, the dialogue sparse, but it's really good to just have like listening comprehension, listening practice in Japanese. Um, and it's done well. So that's besides the score you know it's, it's just like an, another little addition to this film that makes it a, a a film that i like and i'll definitely come back to because it's short and uh it looks great so yep recommend strong eight a dope strong eight check it out yeah excellent well you know uh, that all being said sean these kind mm-hmm. of quiet serene you know um gothic kind of stories they're kind of for like beta pussies can we agree on that just now yeah 100 percent. 100 percent. yeah they're not i want to see a big fucking lizard fucking decimate tokyo so uh sean that being said i have but one more thing to lead into this which is God, I gotta take more horse paste. (laughs) Godzilla, we all know him. (laughs) We know his legacy. (laughs) We've—you've probably seen a Godzilla film. You probably didn't even mean to. You probably shut your eyes to sleep. But a Godzilla film was just playing. They're all fucking out there. But did you know that? The Americans bought them pretty recently, and there's been a couple of those. Now Godzilla fits in a Taco Bell kid's meal. Get him or one of four other action toys. Tanks, fighter jets, baby Godzillas, and helicopters. We had uh, a, uh, I think it was the same year as Shin Godzilla, we had a 2016 Godzilla movie. And then just uh, this year, last year, I don't even know, we had Godzilla vs. Kong. So Godzilla's back, and he's very American. And if that's not for you, maybe Shin Godzilla is. Maybe. We'll talk about it. Uh, Sean, you recommended me Shin Godzilla, so it's only right that I tell you what it's about. (laughs) Yes, do it. 
Shin Godzilla uh, is a 2016 uh, Toho, which are the original uh, distributors of Godzilla. A, it's a Toho Godzilla movie. So we're back to some classic Godzilla, but this is a full reboot. Forget everything you know about Godzilla. This is a new Godzilla. How many times am I going to say Godzilla? <laughs> a lot more, probably. The film has Godzilla rising from the ocean in one form, and making his way through Japan, decimating uh, the urban environments until he gets to Tokyo and decides to decimate that too. Uh, and he evolves as he goes. He gets bigger. He gets uglier. His his antagonist here, it's... Who's that? Is it Mothra? Is it King Ghidorah? No, it's, it's the Japanese government uh, <laughs> who are working tirelessly to stop Godzilla. Uh, and that's pretty much that's pretty much that's, your yeah lot. that's that's it yeah yeah, yeah you got the, it you got to know Godzilla is kind of it's it's a it's all new technical computer wizardry but the film works very hard to recreate the kind of effects and scale and aesthetic <clears throat> sorry <clears throat> a little <clears throat> I guess my throat's a little hoarse. <laughs> Worst joke of the podcast, I'm going to say right now. I'm calling it. But it, it cut all of this. Was this like a 40 second non sequitur? The, the film works very hard to recreate the aesthetic of these miniatures of men in suits or women in suits. Uh, it's it's 2021, but the classic look of people in latex suits tearing up miniature shit. It's not that. It's 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 all new technical wizardry. But it, the film it, looks like a new, old Godzilla film, if that makes any fucking sense, Sean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think there there might be one or two scenes where they use like some sort of puppet to kind of mask over in CGI. Um, I'm but, sure there's some practical stuff. Yeah, but, but, it's... but 99% of the movie is, is, is the CGI. And uh, yeah, it, it's made to look like the old Toho stuff. But with you know some nice new special effects, it's it's great. I'll say I'll say now I'll say now the film yeah. looks great. The destruction's fantastic. Godzilla looks fantastic at every iteration. I want to own a figurine of all the Godzillas in this film. He starts yeah. off as a kind of little fucking weirdo lizard crawling through the fucking snake thing yeah yeah he's like a snake thing then he gets on his hind legs and then he gets to little big baby shin godzilla baby arms and then he gets oh, big dude. godzilla he's... big shin godzilla with baby arms and he yeah. looks freaky as fuck he's he's it he looks that's brilliant. the other thing i like this uh, because of how terrifying it actually is that's one thing with i i think you watch shin god or you watch godzilla films and you kind of forget about you don't get lost in it of the fear of actually having this like kaiju that would be just destroying you know town after town but this one there are times where you're like this is frightening this is kind of kind of scary and oh, i think oh yeah it's it's very um it's very new age destruction movie where you get the low to the ground perspective of mm-hmm. buildings just fucking falling on top of you Godzilla's just tearing through this shit, rubble, you know, roof tiles, everything destructs in a, in a fantastic way. Um, uh, that is the fucking sweet nectar in, in Shin Godzilla. I don't think 
I think it's a it's a great it's a great kaiju destruction movie. I don't think it's a very good movie, <laughs> and I don't think it's. I think it's even a pretty bad Godzilla movie. I will fight Sean. you on this. <laughs> Let us discuss. <laughs> um, Sean, why don't I give you another, just uh, one final sweet moment <laughs> where you can just tell me what you really loved about this. Because I know you loved okay. it. Okay. I think you're, pr- you're probably going to bring up about how the the Japanese bureaucracy red tape bullshit is like a, a, a strong majority of this film um but i think um i will debate you on on why i think it's important for this movie and why i think uh although you may criticize it 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 does it a good job of 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 uh painting a scene uh in japan what i really loved about this movie is specifically there's a middle scene where uh godzilla right before going dormant destroys most of tokyo um and he it's at night and the music and God, the it's, scene it's the best it's, scene in the film it's the best scene in the film i uh, for that alone i am just i'm all there um yep. and I, I think they did a great job with like the music too the soundtrack the, it's it's uh scored well and kind of do some renditions of the traditional godzilla music you know and love um, that i recited for you just moments ago right and yeah. did perfectly um you know thank you so i i think th- that's my favorite scene i'm curious to see what you hate about this film <laughs> but let's jump into it let's just jump into it i <laughs> yeah so the the bureaucracy red tape stuff uh i I don't have a particular problem with uh, this film. What this film is is doing, and this film was a huge critical success, a huge financial success in Japan. It's done better than any of the American Godzilla films did in Japan. Uh, it won a Japanese Academy Award for Best Picture, so it uh, it may be the best critically received Godzilla film ever. Uh, and uh, a big, I think, reason for its kind of critical acclaim is what it goes out of its way to do uh and i think is a really great direction to take it in uh is where the original godzilla was very much about the um the kind of post-nuclear devastation of japan uh, and in japan and the post kind of you know the a lot of reckoning of like the the feelings and the kind of conflict uh, of post-war Japan, uh, this film focuses on the the earthquake disaster. Sean, yeah, twenty eleven uh, yeah. tsunami Fukushima meltdown. Yeah, so it's it it has a lot of undercurrents of that where you can tell they are making direct parallels to what happened into the response to uh, the tsunami and then the fallout or meltdown. Uh, and the government response to that was was highly criticized it was very slow which you know caused a lot of further damage a lot of further destruction a lot of further fatalities uh and that is kind of the very kind of pointed thing that this movie is trying to do with these extensive red tape scenes is you know make some sort of acknowledgement or comment on how the bureaucracy ties up a lot of action being done so Yep. Godzilla manages to like fuck shit up a lot before anyone even fires a gun at him. 
which would be like the first thing I'd do because <laughs> <laughs> it was <laughs> on his way to me. So I, I, I don't hate the red tape stuff. I do think y- your average viewer, me included, is does not need to know the name of every fucking room every politician sits down in and but see the... this is why i i love it because this <laughs> reminds me of living in japan and it's just like it's exactly how meetings are taking place and it's the most yeah. like like it's the most boring bullshit i will say like the bureaucracy they they do like kind of the west wing approach where they're like walking with them and they're kind of cutting and like you get to yeah. see sort of the planning but like I think it's also purposely done where it's all this red tape that they have to get through to try and do something. And like you talk to people in Japan and they hate it. You know, like I talked to, you know, my mother-in-law and she's like, it's ridiculous how much, uh, you know, jumping through hoops you have to do to get anything done here. And like, I think it's purposely done to show like, this is what's happening and there's this big ass monster that's getting like ripping everything up. And then on the the other side of that, just like telling you what the room is and who this person is and who that is. That's every time you walk into a room and you're given a, a, a business card or you, you know, like you have a whole meeting to talk about like, okay, this person's coming and this person's doing this. So like it, it, I'm biased because I, I, I think I related to that part more, you know, I, I understood. Yeah. This is the pain of like trying to get something done. Okay, I I I think that's all that's all great, and it, it seems very authentic. And every decision that is made, kind of politically in this film, feels like very informed by, you know, the actual kind of restrictions in place that would tie up a Japan from responding to a Godzilla. <laughs> okay, uh, so there's like there's an authenticity there. I get it. I think this film treats that element as the kind of most important thing happening at that time which again it's the element you can focus on that's fine the issue is and what's kind of deeply kind of uncomfortable about shin godzilla is it completely omits what this kind of stakes are as in terms of like who is being affected by Godzilla smashing through buildings. We see a lot of buildings get smashed up. We see a lot of trains, tanks, military equipment. We see high-ranking politicians. We see the rooms they're taking meetings in. But this film is completely void of people. Like, people on the street <laughs> being crushed by Godzilla. You don't, you don't ever see a person die because of Godzilla the people you do see are faceless throughout like you you get a couple of glimpses of people's faces when the disaster hits and they're not worried about it they're having fun you know uh so you you see crowds of people for like worshiping Godzilla uh, and then you see people kind of post the Godzilla destruction where they're returning to normalcy and they're kind of getting on with their lives but the concern of the government and the bureaucracy in this movie is restricting kind of property damage and restricting kind of what the devastation Godzilla is doing to Japan is not to the Japanese people. It's it's to the economy and it's to the place. And, and that feels very in stark contrast to kind of what originally Godzilla was, where when 
Godzilla in the original film is attacking a place, you will see the reactions of people. You'll see people screaming and crying because that nuclear disaster affected a city, two cities, yes, but primarily it was the devastation it had on the Japanese people. There's a great question I saw in like a, a critique of Shin Godzilla, which is like, what is a country? Is it its politicians? Is it its prime minister? Is it its buildings? Because that's all the things Shin Godzilla would kind of push that japan is it, it, it feels very soulless like the, the whole thing feels quite soulless i mean it is very prevalent that there are no kind of citizens <laughs> in in godzilla everyone is so faceless outside of the bureaucracy happening that's my real big problem with shin godzilla it's a very technically well-made movie but i think the bureaucracy is too boring to take up as much space as it does and then worse still it ends up taking up so much space that it becomes kind of an obnoxious point that this film is making about the kind of prevalence of of the japanese government in a way that feels nationalistic i don't know okay sean yeah how do so, you hear that? So, so i think when i've seen and i haven't seen a whole lot of godzilla films but when i've seen mm. godzilla films i you do get the shots of people running away but they're there uh, i think in um the one we watched godzilla versus king kong you get kind of the the people that are um running back and forth uh for the the pharmaceutical company right and i think it's it's almost like comical the entire time right um and mm. and those previous godzilla films like i know godzilla was created out of this this um this response to what happened after the atomic drop bombs were dropped, right? And then what's the consequence of that? But I I don't know. I, I feel like I would need to go back and look at the earlier Godzilla films to see if they are focusing more on people because I do think there's a lot of a lot of the focus is still just on like Godzilla fucking up some buildings, fucking up some models. You get a couple shots of people screaming. In Shin Godzilla, you get there are a couple scenes. There's one scene I'm remembering specifically. There's a family in a building, and they go down with the the building. You see Godzilla smash through it. There's a little kid, the mom and the dad, and they have like a full scene where they cut away from uh, Godzilla to like hone in on them in their building as it's going down, yeah. and you see them go down with it. So like, I I think the balance is not what you would want where like you're saying they're focusing a lot on the, the politicians a, a lot on just like oh they did good and they like it bordered on they, nationalistic they, because of that right they mention they're much heavier on the topic of property destruction and the economic impact of and look <clears throat> this is you know if you're going to draw from a, a genuine disaster i think these comparisons kind of uh, a fair you know it, this mm. isn't like a dumb kaiju goes and wrecks shit movie it's not Pacific it wants Rim. to be more than yeah. that so yeah. i'm gonna discuss it as something that is more than that you know so uh, and and there are several scenes there's especially there's one on like a rooftop where where it's uh our kind of main character talking to his mentor mm -hmm. about the devastation godzilla is doing and there's no mention of a body count it's it's about like well, we can rebuild, you know, we can rebuild things mm -hmm. and the economy can recover and Japan is strong enough to do all that. Have uh, you, here's the other thing. Have, yeah. I, I haven't seen the American versions, 
But have we ever done like a, you know, Godzilla took out 45,000 people in downtown San Francisco or something like that? Is that what happens in the, the newer ones? Uh, I don't particularly remember the newer ones very well. I remember the first one like being a little more military focused. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying this issue is very unique to just this Godzilla where it's maybe a little apathetic to the human destruction. But I'm saying it rings alarm bells that the film would choose to echo kind of some of those sentiments of of like you know that the government is the heart of contemporary japan and Uh, i I think i think you're right like to a point japan is a collectivist country and to me this this rings the we did it all as a team and we all pitched in and we all figured it out and although they are all politicians i could see that being uh like even politicians are the citizens of japan and of tokyo and these people banded together to try and like you know stop shin godzilla and yes they do not talk about how many people have died i was discussing with my my friend about this and uh i think he kind of more maybe more i don't want to say cynically (laughs) but uh he's he kind of sees this film at its worst as as some sort of kind of propaganda it's well i I wrote this down because i i do think there is like i think partially yes because we're pretty quick like in america we're we're quick to point out other countries countries using soft power to bend and mold our view of like their government or their political figures um in a in a positive light so i remember seeing that and be like uh yeah this this is a movie coming from japan that wants to paint certain things in a positive light of like this is what happened in you know 2011 and like here's kind of a like a parallel story that could kind of show you what we were dealing with and like Mm. right like it, it is soft power and i think america does this america definitely does this especially with all the war movies that we put out with all the like like hurt locker and oh, all the, yeah. th- things like that right like there are plenty of movies that we are doing the same thing if not worse because we we just have more of them uh, and we have For a sure. bigger and i'm yeah. i'm not educated enough to japan's current political state to like make any sort of sweeping statements about exactly what this film is trying to clarify or propagate i'm more just a little like it was very evident to me like the lack of kind of human element like yes the humans are the politicians but the way that everything was kind of shot around kind of people and even the conversations and dialogue were around kind of people it was way more about the shit godzilla was blowing up which is super fun to watch i get like that may be what it is it may be the aesthetic decision of like well it's fun to watch godzilla like fucking wreck a building because it is and that's the best shit in this movie but yeah it just feels very evident how faceless the the kind of people are outside of like and and the people become less faceless based on their kind of political rank like the reason you get that fucking big name punched in with everyone you see is because everyone you see is quote unquote important you don't you don't get joe blow selling fucking cabbages who got squashed by godzilla having a title card because fuck him so <laughs> he's not deciding the course of this country well, uh, that's that's kind of interesting okay so i've i've heard this and like the other part of this is there might be something that we are missing like getting lost in translation where this might also be somewhat tongue-in-cheek like it might be somewhat cynical in that it's not like i'm thinking about it now the reason you put the name in front of every person and every 
location that they're at is it's just almost joking at the fact of like yeah everybody thinks they're so important right i like i need to go talk know. to if somebody that, if yeah. there's a if there's like a satirical a satirical slant there i think it's kind of lost in the kind of the tone being so kind of serious and important and there you go that's why i didn't like shin godzilla <laughs> uh so do you recommend it um yeah i do as a as a kaiju destructive you know epic uh i would want people to see it and then do some reading <laughs> on on what you know what the facts of of the earthquake were and and kind of cinematic language the film chooses to have i'll give it a score yeah uh, yeah sure if it's not too soon yeah. uh, of of six <laughs> uh i think the stuff it does well it it does really well but for all the reasons i've said i just i i six is still like a i liked it but it's kind of a like i liked it <laughs> <laughs> uh it's like a five to a six okay <laughs> sean what do you what do you give it uh, I'm I don't gonna... begrudge you for liking it. Yes, by the way. yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> it's so friendly uh, on the blokes. Yeah, we're 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 all friends here. Uh, yeah, I liked it. Uh, I would recommend it. Um, I was gonna go seven to eight. I really liked it. Um, definitely, yeah. it's uh, out of all the Godzilla films I've seen, it's the one that I've enjoyed the most. And it, I know I am biased because I, I've I have you know. A soft spot for Japanese media and and having been to Japan, having lived in Japan, like I see some of the the similarities and and conversations that I had when when I've been there. So I'll watch it again. I've watched it three times already, but I'll watch it again. I want to see I want to see if there is a you know a, a satire slant to it that is is getting missed or or uh, if it's just blatant uh, nationalism. But yeah, I just ask you to next time you watch. I was also I was kind of like looking out for it because I'd I'd heard enough about Shin Godzilla before I went in. But I uh, I would just ask you to look out for how it j- just as simple as like how it shows people's faces, mm-hmm. people that don't get title cards, how they are shown and how they are portrayed. That's also like part of this too, though, is like when I think on Hollywood movies, I think it's a it's a very similar thing where like we don't show the death we don't show like you know uh oh that's why i love and and i considered doing this for our mystery kaiju movie but i decided to watch something new uh i love cloverfield because that mm. feels like a very uniquely american kaiju movie mm-hmm. uh it deals like very excruciatingly with the on the ground average fucking person during some awful fuck off monster disaster which is a not so subtle 9-11 allegory Mm -hmm. Uh, it's it's i i love that movie because it it does all of that and i love the original godzilla because it it it's a a very kind of you know it's not just big monster rex shit it's that and it's like japan in mourning and it's it's interesting and uh and i i don't know a lot of my favorite i and you don't need to be skeptical of your country to make great art but a lot of my favorite films full stop and a lot of my favorite films from japan are a skeptical of of the narrative that is kind of populated there you know mm-hmm. i think of uh, akira kurosawa who's very kind of deconstructive of of samurai mythology i think of original godzilla which is very kind of very kind of thoughtful about post-world war ii japan uh, i just love that stuff and that's what i think 
kind of if you're going to do serious Godzilla, that's what it should be. It should be thoughtful, and it feels a little thoughtless here. But hey, I gave it a six. What did you give it? Seven Sean? or eight? Yeah, somewhere in between. Seven or Seven, eight. Seven point five. Here, I'll tell you one last thing. Uh, the cover of this film, cover art, pff, that's awesome. So I'll give it a point five for that. It is an eight. <laughs> it's great cover art. Uh, yeah. you're talking about Godzilla on the red background. Yeah. Um so good. Uh I'll say that the Green Knight has similar cover art mm-hmm. and uh and that's you know, there you've got Dev Patel. Uh so Swag Lord. Swag Lord. <laughs> that's that's an eight out of ten for Green Knight. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> 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 I hope to see it soon. Sean, no. we've agreed we fought much like Godzilla would fight um, Mothra. I don't know who's who in that allegory. Uh, <laughs> I'm the Japanese government and you're Shin Godzilla. <laughs> I'm Shin Godzilla. Uh, I will say when Shin Godzilla is firing his laser beam, it's fucking sick as shit. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was my experience watching this. I was like, hmm, little... <laughs> <laughs> a little coarse to the plight of the the working person. Oh shit! Godzilla just fucking laser beamed a fucking U.S. drone. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> That's uh, the duality of man, right mm-hmm. there. <laughs> uh, Sean, let's just confuse each other now with movies that only one of us have seen. Yeah. Um, How should we do, do this? You start. I was gonna say we should we should rock paper scissors to see who goes first. Okay, let's do it. And let's be very honest with each other because okay. we can't see each other at the moment. Let's be very honest yep. with each other what Ready. we get. Okay. Rock, paper, Rock, scissors, paper, scissors, go. I got the one that beats yours. Oh. All right, well, you go first. <laughs> I did rock. I got rock. What do you get? I got paper, so uh, I'm going first. You beat me. Okay, you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, dude, we should have done... We should have convoluted a Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah game <sighs> and somehow made that work. We'll workshop it for we'll, our we'll, next kaiju yes. episode. Yeah, we'll do. It'll be great. Um, so the film that I watched is called Pulgasari. Have you have you heard of this? No. Pulgasari. Is this the North Korean one? It is. It's the North Korean no. film. <laughs> I looked for it because I was like, that sounds interesting as shit. Uh, yeah, speaking of propaganda. Exactly. How was, <laughs> how was that? Yeah. Um, so, I, well, I'm going to probably keep this short, but uh, to oh, just. Oh, dude, give the people some background on how that fucking movie happened, though, because it's interesting as yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. So, so w- this film is a film out of North Korea. It's um, 19. 1985. So it's a 1985 film uh, from North Korea. And the reason I picked this film is because the the backstory of how this film got created was um, the director, whose name is Shin Sang-ok. Ok? Okay. He was kidnapped uh, by the, the North Korean intelligence uh, agency on the orders of Kim Jong-il, uh, like... Uh, rest in peace. Can we say R.I.P. R- to R- the R- big, uh, K.J.I.? <laughs> yeah, he, um, he... I know... Listen, I know Kim Jong-un. I don't know if he's a listener, but I know he's missing his dad. And uh, I think... Straight I, up. I, I, let's all be civil here and say it's it's never easy to lose a loved one. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
<laughs> R.I.P. Kim Jong-il. Wonderful. Uh, had, wonderful. I'm glad we're really appealing to North Koreans on, on this one. Uh, <laughs> I think they get this point. I think this is a government-sanctioned podcast. Yeah. So, uh, so the North Korean intelligence agency, on the orders of Kim Jong-il, he who, who, who R.I.P., who was um, at the time the son of the ruling Kim Il-sung, um, he told the R.I.P. R.I.P. as well. Uh, he told the the intelligence agency, "Go, go, kidnap this director because I want him to make some films uh, for for not, us." Not uncommon, by the way. Yeah, North yeah, yeah. They made a few fucking movies like that. <laughs> Just kidnap people they liked. Um, so, yep, he was kidnapped. Um, and then before that, he they also kidnapped. I don't know if it was his wife at the time. I think it was his wife at the time. They kidnapped her as well, and they brought him over, coerced them into making several films. Um, and Pogasari is the final film before um, before the, the director Shin Sanok escaped back to the United States. So um, they also like tricked a bunch of Toho Studios staff from Japan into like participating in the film. Uh, so they're like, oh yeah, you're going to come over here and film in China. And then they like wind up in like North Korea making these, uh, I think they did like a bunch of the, the special effects and maybe some of like the costume making. Um, but, uh, the film is intended as like a, uh, a North Korean government propaganda metaphor, uh, for the effects of unchecked capitalism and uh, like how the power of the collective is is great, but like the director, he kind of has like hidden messages uh, in in the film. Um, so like the holy shit, yeah, like the monster can kind of be interpreted as Kim Il Sung, the like the the leader at the time. Um, R.I.P. R.I.P. And how he was betraying like the revolution of the people for for his own purposes, and he was like just doing doing as he pleased and kind of as I get into the movie, like you'll, you'll kind of see it, but like just being, um, all consuming. So Pogasari is, is a story. Now let's get into the movie. Pogasari is a story about these villagers. They are hungry. Um, they are weak. And then the governing army, I guess it would be the, the, the government roll into town one day and tell them you're all going to go to war for us, or you're going to, you know, start making, um, like swords and and whatever we tell you to do and they kind of take over this this village the blacksmith of the village who's kind of like the head of this village is thrown into prison he is like kind of rebelling and he has a daughter who is in love with like an apprentice of his but what happens what ends up happening is that the blacksmith he's not eating he's kind of being tortured and with the last of the the food he has he sculpts a little monster figure um as like a talisman and um and he he makes this thing and he in a in a completely senile plea to the gods he asks that uh he's he's like he's going crazy he's like in this jail cell he has rice and he molds it into this this thing he asks the gods to save everybody from the power that is now in this rice ball action figure 
thing that he's just sculpted. Yeah. And and so he he dies in jail. Uh, the daughter. Oh no! Yeah, that's a bummer. yeah. The daughter. R.I.P. R.I.P. to uh, the the uh, blacksmith daughter. Uh, and the whole family is devastated, but they take the body and um, uh, they take the figure too, the little talisman that he's made, and they take it back to their their village that's overrun. And she, while sewing, pricks her finger, and a little bit of blood. Uh, this sounds very convoluted. Uh, <laughs> it's almost, it's almost there. The, she pricks her finger while sewing, drop yeah. of blood on. We don't uh, need. We're so like, we didn't need the. Like, okay. You do North need Korea, to know if all this. If you want to capture me, if you want to capture the blokes, okay, and get us on some script supervisor shit, because it sounds like we 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 we've got like three solutions to one problem here, and we could cut like a good twenty minutes from this film already. But- yes, yeah. Well, this is this is true, and that's one of my gripes with this movie. But she pricks her finger, blood goes on the the talisman, and yeah. all of a sudden, Pulgasari comes to life, and he's this little Yay. tiny little monster he's about like Cute. you know six inches tall and he starts eating needles he's like eating the little needles he's like nom, 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 nom. you know <laughs> he's, and he's eating the needles and the uh the the daughter sees it and she's like oh my god look he's eating the needles and then uh her brother remarks that oh it looks like he's kind of growing as he eats the metal and the metal is like a it's a big part of this movie um because like that's mm. why the, the the army's coming in is they need the metal they need the tools and everything so Pulgasari starts eating all this metal and then the 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 government officials and like the army that they've stolen away he just starts eating all of it and this is how the prisoners escape and then the village like kind of is going to fight back they have their tools yeah, the power but, of the collective right yeah, right yeah. so uh Eats all this stuff. Pulgasari kind of fucks off to the woods for a bit, and <laughs> and the villagers kind of f- fight uh fight the army. They're not doing so great, yeah. and, but then Pulgasari comes back, and they're like, Yay. "Oh my god, they're Pulgasari! Like you're so big!" And then uh, they feed him all their tools, you know, and then they sick Pulgasari on the army. Uh, the the army uh, is defeated. Pulgasari, uh, you know, is is he's great but then like somehow mm-hmm. the, the the king of this area uh finds out and then like send a bigger army i'll speed it up here but they send a bigger yeah. army pulgasari is captured the woman has to go back and prick her finger again so blood comes and pulgasari grows and uh he starts there two pulgasari it's still the same one he just like he was captured and like buried but then like to get him out of the burial he like needs the blood again or something it's it's kind of weird uh it doesn't really really follow but he comes back alive he starts eating and he full-on just wipes out this village uh he or sorry the the army like the bigger army not the villagers (laughs) (laughs) and um and and then he the villagers are like free right like the army's gone and they're like yay pulgasari but and here's where the, the the little twist to it is. Everyone's rejoicing that Pulgasari is he's the winner. He's massive at this point because he's eaten so much steel. But then after the the war is over, he needs to keep eating, and uh, he needs the steel to satisfy him. So he uh, shows no self control and he keeps eating until he can't move. And then the villagers oh, realize wait, Pulgasari this. is capitalism. So this is kind of the dig at Kim Il Sung. Because he's kind mm. of like, I mean, it, it it is supposed to be capitalism, 
in a way also like the kings but like this is kind of the dig towards the end at kim il-sung so polgasari is yeah consuming consuming he's doing everything to eat all the steel and this is when the the daughter realizes what she has to do she's she's like our savior has become our enemy uh this is this is bad and uh she goes to this massive bell at the morning uh, and rings it, and Polgasari wakes up, and the bell's obviously steel. Uh, so he goes, and he goes to eat it, and she's hiding in the bell. And then when he's eating it, she prays and says, for the sake of, like, everybody, like, please, Polgasari, just disappear. And then he explodes. Uh, and then she, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, she, she, in this self-sacrifice, reappears or is maybe resurrected and then there's like a small little Pulgasari at the end with her and uh and that's it so that's Pulgasari um I'd recommend it just on on like the backstory of how like weird this is it's not a bad oh, film they should make a movie about how oh how yeah yeah 100 like, there's a movie there uh, I'd uh, give it I'd give it a uh I'd give it like a six out of ten um for for like 1985 North Korea it's did a pretty good job, but knowing that they like kidnapped a bunch of people to make it happen, uh, you know why. So there you go. I hear that's how uh, I, I hear that's how Adam Sandler makes his films. Yeah, man. That... Uh, I hear that's how Grown Ups Two got made. There's uh, a lot of kidnapping, a lot of coercion. Yep, yep. That yep. sounds wild, Sean. <laughs> I re- I de- I really want to check that out, and all that holds me back is is the atrocities. <laughs> <laughs> If you guys have any viewer mail that you'd like to, uh, you know, send in about Ned's uh, ability to take. Oh, the... dude, I just got it. We just got an email. Oh, that's crazy. This isn't even out. Oh, wow. This isn't even out. Sure. <laughs> What's it say? Dearest blokes. I am longtime big fan, Kim. <laughs> I have much enjoyed your podcast and I have listened to all podcasts. I even have one. It is the most successful podcast, even more successful than Joe Rogan. Did you know he eats horse paste? <laughs> I do know. I do, Kim. <laughs> I heard you talking about Polgasari. It is great North Korean film, very strong like North Korea. Wow. We did not kidnap director. He ran to North Korea when he heard how strong I am, <laughs> even though I had not been born yet. <laughs> I don't know how much more improv I can do. No, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh Thank you, Sean Culligan, for watching our glorious movie. Would you like a free ticket to North Korea to direct the sequel? You know what? I'm going to have to get back to him, but that is very, very appealing offer. He goes on. It is too late, Sean. (laughs) For North Korea have decided you are to be with us. (laughs) Our glorious country will take you. Well, I guess we know where you are, and we will be visiting soon. Lots of love, Kimmy. Oh, great! Well, thank you for the fan mail. Kim. Thank you. Uh, and if you'd like to send in your fan mail, that's lights.cameras.blokes at gmail.com. Uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I also watched a kaiju movie. Um, What'd you watch? Gamera, Gam- Guardian of the Universe. on Himigami Island has been destroyed by giant birds. Oh, 
let's talk for a minute about Gamera, all right? Because as long as there has been Godzilla, there has been someone trying to rip Godzilla off. Run! It's Godzilla! It looks like Godzilla, but due to international copyright laws, it's not. Still, we should run like it is Godzilla! <laughs> <laughs> And that person was Gamera. I think like a year after Godzilla came out. Not even that. Maybe a few fucking months. I don't know how quickly they were working on this. But Gamera came out. Mm-hmm. Gamera was a long-running series in Japan. Pretty popular. Not as popular. Much more child-friendly, child-orientated. The gimmick with Gamera was usually... A <clears throat> usually, it was a child protagonist who would work with Gamera to restore peace to whatever the fuck Gamera was all about. <laughs> Gamera, by the way, is fucking ridiculous. He's like a big fucking turtle. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, and rockets shoot out of his little turtle holes. Great. Uh, so he can, like, spin up like a fucking crazy shell with four jets coming out of his funny little turtle holes. And he can fly around like Superman. He's crazy. Uh, <laughs> but in... Uh, in the 90s, uh, director uh, Shusuke uh, Ken- Kaneko, I want to say, Kaneko. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Nets should uh, learn some Japanese, shouldn't he? Uh, why am Kaneko. I attempting all the Japanese? There you go. Kaneko. Yep. Okay. So Shusuke uh, Kaneko. Perfect. He wanted to make a Godzilla film, and he approached Toho, and Toho said no, no. <laughs> oh. So... Gamera, the Gamera people approach him, say, do you, you want to make a Gamera film? He's like, I'm not too into Gamera. These dumb kids and this stupid turtle. But yeah, okay. They wouldn't let me make Godzilla make some Gamera, <laughs> but I'm going to fucking age Gamera up. Not the character, not the turtle, but just like, it's going to be dark. It's going to be gritty. It's essentially going to be a Godzilla movie. Nice. Because I like Godzilla. Nice. Apparently on set, everyone ac- kept accidentally calling it Godzilla. Like everyone working on the film just thought they were working on a fucking Godzilla movie. I mean. Because it essentially you, is you, a Godzilla movie. You look at the poster in this, like they use the same font choice and color for, for yeah, Gamera. Yeah, yeah. And it looks a lot like Godzilla. So Gamera, Godzilla, who cares? Who right. cares? Gamera Guardian of the Universe is the start of uh, Kaneko's trilogy of Gamera films. Uh, and I will say, Sean, after this first one, I will be watching the rest. Yes. Gamera Guardian of the Universe is a fucking good time. Okay? Uh, it's It's 95. Some of the effects, a lot of the effects are pretty dated. Mm-hmm. But you've got fantastic miniature work. Uh, you've got Gamera smashing shit up. I'm going to send you some screenshots later. You're going to be all about this movie. Gamera's enemy, because Gamera's the good guy here. He's mm-hmm. the guardian of the universe. Uh, <laughs> naturally. <laughs> naturally. He uh, are these huge flying creatures. Uh, I wish I could remember their name, and I wish I had written it down, but I didn't. I don't. And just deal with it. We're <laughs> like an hour and a half into this podcast. So... Uh, Gamera's fighting this huge fucking bird. It's great. Gamera's flying around. The bird's flying around. At one point, uh, Japan is fighting this bird, and they fire a missile at it, and the bird fucking ducks around the Tokyo Tower, and the Japan accidentally blows up the Tokyo Tower. And yes. then the bird, like, nests in the ruins of the Tokyo Tower, and it's great. 
That's savage. Uh, yeah, that's a six. I, I'm visualizing it now. You, you visualize it, and they show you exactly what you want to be seeing. I was like, cut to the shot I want to see, and they cut to it, and I'm like, this is great. This is a great movie. Uh, interestingly, I thought Gamera bombed a lot of my ill Shin Godzilla will, and it's very kind of focused on the reactions of people. It's focused on the scientists and researchers who are going out and trying to formulate a plan on how to stop these big birds. And they, you know, they're the first to realize Gamera is actually a pretty chill dude. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, um, it's, uh, and there's, they keep the traditional Gamera child protagonist in that, uh, there is a girl who becomes connected to Gamera uh, and and becomes his kind of priestess, and she can communicate with Gamera, and she becomes hurt when Gamera's hurt, and there are stakes, and the children are our future. <laughs> this seems a lot like uh, Hal from Beyond the Fog in a in a little way. You know, you've got the the blind woman. You've got a priestess yeah. kind of character, yeah, uh, definitely. And it's just a, a ton of, of fun. Gamera is is still a little goofy. He's still flying around in his tortoise shell, but it's kind of funny. And uh, and the you know and the fights are excellent. The burning cities and destruction is all fantastic and a lot of fun. Uh, I the human stuff I think lands pretty well. So. Yeah, Gamera, Guardian of the Universe. I will be checking out uh, Gamera 2 and 3, uh, which uh, I believe came out in the subsequent couple of years. So, yeah, Gamera. I'm all about Gamera. Uh, and and by the way, I was like very convinced that... Because I was looking for kaiju movies. Uh, and I was like, well, it's the North Korean one, it's Godzilla, and it's Gamera. Because then if you're looking outside of those particular you know the Gamera Godzilla pool you're looking at like weird offshoots you're looking at like Cloverfield Pacific Rim mm-hmm. you know for such a huge genre that is kaiju film it's it's pretty dominated by your boy Godzilla yeah uh, yeah and Gamera subsequently who I hadn't really heard of but he's out here you know doing his thing Hey, uh, th- that's that's a great way to ask the audience if you've seen any kaiju films that are not Gamera Pogasari or Godzilla. Uh, mm. DM us on uh, Instagram at lights.cameras.blokes. Oh, lights.cameras.blokes. That's our Insta. Please get in touch, even if it is a Godzilla. Like, what's your favorite Godzilla Gamera film? What's your favorite Kaiju film? Have you seen Shin Godzilla? Am I wrong about Shin Godzilla? I'd love for someone to disagree with me or agree with me. I personally, I'd love someone to agree with me, but <laughs> you know, feel feel free to disagree with me. Yeah, I uh, let us hear about your favorite kaiju movies. Uh, share this just with one friend, just one friend, okay? Just like, and it can be like, it can be someone who has to listen to you. It could be like your your partner, okay? Share this with your partner because they can't. They, they can't they're say not no. gonna they're not gonna break up with you on the basis of you sharing this podcast and if you if they do I mean we're our bad our bad our bad but okay. like they broke up with you over the Shin Godzilla podcast uh, you know I would understand if it was like the uh, the episode on on microwave massacre because that movie was fucking terrible so there you go I'm wondering if I can find a 
correlation between like the disagreement we had on microwave massacre and the disagreement we have on shin godzilla i wonder if there's like the perfect movie we would completely disagree on there's complete opposite ends of the spectrum i'm a 10 you're a zero or vice versa we're gonna find that movie. we're getting close you know we're getting close. we're getting close we're getting close uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're getting close to a real fight yeah it's cameras blows sean place play us out with uh that poem you wrote for for godzilla okay shin godzilla you are not a terrible monster but one of the best ned that was a haiku that that was a haiku I was just here, like, counting on my fingers. Like, is this dude fucking dropping a haiku? Yeah, dropped a haiku on your ass. <laughs> a stealth haiku? <laughs> All right, guys. Well, the haiku was the real enemy all along. <laughs> <Let's>, uh, <laughs> we'll catch you next time. Thank you for, for dropping in on this fucking nonsense. Lots of love. Bye. Stories high.